Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 10 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Overcoming the Evil One. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen and amen. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Day. Amen. No, that's saying a lot. <laughs> that is saying a lot to be for resurrection from the dead. Wow. Just incredible. I, as I'm teaching this morning, I, um, you know, there is... There's so much out here today, which we've said before, that's fake. It's not real. People run their yaps, and it doesn't have anything to do with truth. It's just it's their brain or something. And people think they have permission to say it if they think it. And uh, I'm just thankful I don't really say everything I think. <laughs> Amen. And uh, we're all better off. And uh, But when Jesus says things, it's true. Amen. It, you, it, you can rely on it. It's, uh, he doesn't embellish. There's no need to. But when he says it, it's true, and it is. And so as I'm teaching this morning, I, um, I, wanted, uh, I felt like that um, my job description, if you will, I asked the Lord when I pray the week before, okay, Lord, what's my job this week? And... and um, I, I sense that it was to try to bring more of a revelation of what Jesus accomplished uh, at the cross and resurrection morning. It has everything to do with, as in the days of Noah. It has everything to do with it. Uh, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So as we begin uh, this teaching today, uh, I want to, probably is a little different take on uh, as in the days of Noah. My emphasis will uh, not be as much on the resurrection, even though it is the resurrection, but it's what did the resurrection accomplish? Let me put it that way. It's that we know the resurrection happened. We know it's real. We know it's true. So I want us to focus on what the resurrection uh, of Christ accomplished. And my hope is to shake us a little bit, to bring to our attention a little bit a, a reality of what we're living in. And it's a, my, con my constant concern in my personal life is that I'm looking at reality. I'm not looking at reality through my perceptions but I'm actually looking at reality, and I can see it for truth. So as in this teaching, but as in the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now last week, and we'll pick up where we left off last week. It was day eight. It was called Resurrection Sunday, which is today. Uh, Matthew uh, 28, we'll read it and look into it here. And on, on this Resurrection Sunday... There's a day before Sunday, and it's called Saturday, and some things happened on Saturday going into Resurrection uh, Sunday. And uh, so early Sunday morning, several women went to the tomb and discovered that the large stone covering the entrance had been rolled away, and an angel there then announced. 
in Matthew 28. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So they went. It, it appears that he's not, he's not only appears, he's not there. So he's not where they thought he would be. There again, he wasn't where they thought he would be. The life of Christ, right? He, he was always, he was never where you thought he would be. He would always be where you didn't think he would be. So that's the spirit versus the soul and in our thinking and how it, how it works. Now, Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Well, what does that mean? Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. He has a resurrection, proof that he conquered death. But actually, it shouldn't surprise too many there because he'd already raised Lazarus, right? So he kind of had this thing going for death. He could conquer it, right? And he had, he had rule over death. And so we see here that Jesus, uh, he is the Savior. And not only that, he conquered, means he won over death, hell, and the grave. Now I want us to look at something in Ephesians 4, 8, and 10 as we're looking into what did Christ accomplish at the cross and at resurrection. Ephesians 4 says this, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captive captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also did what? Descended when? First, into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. So we see that on Sunday and Sunday afternoon, he ascended. He, he went on, on up to heaven after he met with the disciples and he talked with them for a while. And, and then uh, he was there with them, I think, several, quite a few days, 30, 40. And anyway, he had talked with them. All this stuff was going on. Then he came into Resurrection Sunday and he talked with them. He finally appeared to them. But on Saturday, he descended before he was going to ascend. So what is the descending issue here? So there again, what did Jesus accomplish with the cross? First thing he accomplished here was he descended. It says he conquered death, hell, and the grave. So how did he conquer hell? What does it mean when he descended? Now let's look at it quickly. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. It says in 1 Peter 3.18, a few clues here. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Can somebody say amen? Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. You see that? Which sometime uh, were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the what? See it there? So, so he's comparing it again into the days of Noah. So something happened. There were eight saved in the days of Noah, right? In, in, in the ark. But they died sooner or later. 
So where did they go? Well, they went into the inner parts of the earth, the Bible says. And I'll show you some scripture. It says that hell was in two, two pieces in hell. Uh, you had paradise and you had Hades. And the scripture says there was a gulf between them. There was a space between them. And if you were, if you were trusting God before the cross... Then when you died, you went to the paradise side of, of hell. That's where you went. So when Jesus descended, we'll see in some scripture here, he descended into the paradise side of hell. He said, hey, I'm here. I have made the ultimate sacrifice uh, for your freedom uh, into heaven. Do you think there was rejoicing in paradise? Yes. There was tremendous rejoicing in paradise. Now, we've said it like this about the cross before. Pre-cross, you were looking to the cross. After the cross, we're looking back at the cross. Still, the cross is the focal point. The cross is a division in time. Now, the birth of Christ was, we know, but the cross was the division in time. And so we see here in the scriptures, it says uh, that in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls were actually saved by water. So the paradise was also seen as a saving place, a holding pattern, uh, like in the days of Noah with those that were saved in uh, the ark there. Now, as we move on quickly, why did Jesus descend into hell? Jesus said to the thief on the cross, and you remember this, I'm sure, in Luke 23, 43, and he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So here we understand what Jesus was saying to the thief on the cross. He said, today we're going down, baby. We're going <laughs> down. And so he said, you're going to be with me in paradise. Where's paradise? Paradise is on the other side of hell. And it was a good side of hell, if you could say that. And you, and you had Hades. And, and so, but it was in still yet. It was, now that you say, well, why did you have to have, why did God do that? It was because the blood atonement of Christ had to be applied at the altar in heaven before we could enter in to the presence of God. So Jesus' blood, they were waiting on the sacrifice, and we're rejoicing in the sacrifice. Can somebody say, Gloria, we're not waiting? Huh? I mean, our longest wait's a lifetime. Theirs was much longer, you see. And so we, we find one of the uh, great uh, uh, gifts of being the bride of Christ is we don't have to wait as long for the bridegroom. So here we see this was going on. He said, truly you'll be with me today in paradise. Now, God, watch this. God's solution was to create Abraham's bosom, it's called also. We're going to read it in Luke 16. A special place that was set apart from the rest of hell by a great gap or gulf. This arrangement was temporary because after Jesus died, he went to Abraham's bosom and he led those that were captive into heaven. In other words, Jesus... He took a thief on the cross. They went down. Their soul and spirit went down into the paradise side of hell. Jesus, I don't know what his sermon was there. I would love to have heard it. And uh, that he had conquered death, hell, and the grave. I'm sure he gave the report. Satan, I fooled Satan. He thought he was killing me. But he was just giving me my next assignment. Can you believe that? And so Jesus took them, shot them up to heaven, that's what happened on Saturday. 
And then Sunday, uh, he was already out of the tomb, but they went to the tomb and he was gone. Now watch this scripture. I think I got it here in Luke. Abraham's bosom in paradise, same place. There was a certain rich man. Do you remember this scripture? There's a certain rich man which is clothed in purple, fine linen. And Jesus was telling the story, trying to explain to him about this place of paradise, Abraham's bosom. Fine linen affairs uh, every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. You remember Lazarus, which was laid in the gate full of sores and desiring to be fed uh, with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, uh, the rich man also died and was buried. So the rich man, he went to the Hades side, and this uh, Lazarus uh, died and, and went, went to what was called Abraham's bosom. But you've got to understand, that's where Abraham was. So we were saying he's going to be there close uh, to Abraham. It was called paradise. And then he said, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Uh, and Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in this, thy lifetime received good things, likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tor tormented. And besides all of this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. Do you see it there? So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. They can't pass over this gulf. Uh, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us. Uh, that would come from, in other words, he's saying you can't cross back and forth over this gulf. And, and, and he was, but now here's something. They couldn't pass, but they could hear. So these in paradise could hear them in hell. Would that not be terrible? But that's just the way it was. They could hear, but they couldn't pass. Now, so this is important as, as we keep going, as we keep going forward. Now, Verse 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house and have my five brethren that he, he may testify in them, lest they should also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Now watch this. Let them hear them. And he said, no, my father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Is that not amazing? So that tells us that people could witness Jesus rising from the dead, and they still wouldn't be converted. So seeing is not necessarily believing. You can see something that's true and not believe what's true. Can somebody hear what I'm trying to tell you here? You can see something that's true, but you don't believe it's true. A lot of people believe that drugs will kill you. I mean, they see that drugs will kill you, but they don't believe it. That we, we see that sin's harmful, but we don't believe it's going to kill me. So there's a difference in seeing and believing. Can, can you hear what I'm saying? So with Jesus, when it comes to things of this book, we have this thing in our brains of some reason, well, if I can see it, I'll believe it. No, you won't. Not necessarily. But if you do believe it, you'll just have a 
seen level of believing. A believing level of believing is called faith. So you have faith in what you can't see, but you'll believe. Can somebody hear me? Faith doesn't come by seeing. You don't have to have faith. You don't have to see everything in this book to believe it. The element to believing is faith. Don't wait to see it. Well, if I could just see God heal somebody. I've done told you my story. I did that one. I said, God, if you let me see you heal somebody of cancer, I'll start preaching you'll heal. In less than a year, I was diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> That's the S word. Stupid. All right? I did that. I made two deals with God. I quit after that. <laughs> Don't do that. But I, when I say when you don't have to, to see it, to believe it, I really mean it. I have mileage to prove it. But it's amazing to me that I did not see Jesus hanging on that cross. Can I tell you something? I really believe it. But I didn't see it. Why? How does a rational man who didn't see it believe it? I asked God to give me faith. I said, I, agree. I agreed with God. And when I agreed with God, He issued me a measure of faith to believe it. So agreeing with God is the first step to believing. Just agree. That's all. Because faith cometh. You don't maketh faith. It cometh. Faith is issued to you and comes to you by an act of will of God. Can you hear me? So it's a huge understanding to understand that when we agree with God, agreeing with God is the first step. You can agree with God and not believe it yet, but get ready because the believing's coming. The faith's on its way, but you got to agree first. We want to say, God, see me the faith, and I'll believe it. <laughs> you don't work that way. It's got to be a breaking of our will to agree with God, what God says, whether we like it or not, whether we want to do it or not. God, I agree with you. And God will take a chance on you with faith. And issue you faith, faith cometh, if we yield ourselves and agree with him. Now let's watch this. Let me move on. i got somewhere to go here. Now what most people don't know about Satan, you didn't think you'd hear this on resurrection morning. Now the reason I'm going to teach you a little something here about Satan is because this is what Jesus accomplished. Okay? If you respect a copperhead, there's a good chance you're not going to get bit. If you don't respect a copperhead and play around with it, you're probably going to get bit. Are you with me? So the, the purpose of this segment of this teaching is so you'll respect Satan. That's right. 
You say, well, I despise him. You better, you better respect him. He's poisonous. Now, now, I'm going to show you what Jesus said about him, okay? Let's look at this. What most people don't know about Satan. Satan does not have horns and a pitchfork. Uh, against popular demand, he, he, he doesn't have horns and a pitchfork. That's, that's not biblical. Uh, now, let's see what he is. The Bible calls him he. Revelation 12, 9, And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, of which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Bible calls him a he and not an it. You, you, as we are walking with God and not uh, being overcome by the wiles of the devil, we need to understand he's a he. He's, he's a person. Now, keep, keep this in mind. Now, we're, I believe the Bible means what it says, where it says it, like it says it, and how it says it for a reason. Right? The Bible calls Satan a he. Now, let's watch this. The Bible says he has a heart, mind, and will. It talks about his feelings and motives. He's a he. He has a mind, heart, and will. He talks about his feelings and motives. Sounds a whole lot like us, don't it? Sounds a whole lot like us. Anybody, anybody feel a kinship to Satan there? Now, where the kinship comes in is what we put in there. But you've got to understand, he has the same things as we've got. That's how he gets in us. He knows how we're made. Can, can anybody hear me? He knows how we tick. He's got the same thing going on in him that we got going on in us. Let me give you a scripture for that. We see that Satan is a person. He's real. He's a person. Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend. Do you see that? He's got a will. I will ascend. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He's got feelings, you see that, and he's got motive. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Did anybody see that? I will, I will, I will, I will. So that part that's in me that fights God is I will, I will, I will, I will. That's the part in me that's like Satan. I will, I will, I will, I will. Well, I will, I will, I will. The question is, what is God's will? That is the big question. And we're in a, in a, living in a world today that it's all about me. What I will do. Now, let, let's, let's move on here. <laughs> it goes on to say, that Jesus went on to say, now I want us to see this that how serious Jesus took Satan. Jesus took Satan uh, very seriously. Jesus said he is the prince of the world. That's either true or false. Uh, Jesus said he's the prince of the world. As we see everything going on in the world today, there's, 
what I'm fixing to show you is going to give testimony that this scripture is true. Satan is the prince of this world. It even goes on further. Jesus goes a little further in this statement. Uh, look at this in John 14, 30. It says, Henceforth I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Now here's, here's the question. When the prince of this world comes to you, is there anything in you? Now here's, here's the way it works. If I have something against Pastor Steve, in my heart against him. Nobody knows it. If I have nothing in my heart against Pastor Steve and somebody comes to me and says, you won't believe what Pastor Steve did. And I'll say, I don't believe it. It's not true. Hush your mouth. Shut up. I'll usually ask word there too. Shut up. <laughs> Why? Because I know the man. Now, if I have something in my heart against him, I hadn't, ever, I hadn't said a word. I hadn't said nothing to anybody about anything. There's anything in my heart against Steve. Somebody comes to me and said, well, Steve did that, did that, did this. And then I would say, well, I wouldn't doubt it. Why would I say I wouldn't doubt it? Because there's something in my heart. There's something in me. The Bible says if I got something in me, I better get to him quickly before the sun goes down, preferably. And fix it. Why? Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and there's nothing in me. So why did Jesus respond correctly when tempted by Satan? What anything in him. Which teaches us what we want to confess is the stuff that's in us. It has a spiritual odor. Some of us are stinking and don't know it. I had a dream one time about the demons of hell and they didn't have eyes. They couldn't see, but they could smell. And everybody had something in their heart, they could find them. That was just a dream, but that's what I had. But just think about it. What if they smell our hearts? If somebody's on drugs, alcohol, if you've got problems with pornography, whatever, do you? it'll find you. It'll find you. It'll find you. Can you hear me? Yeah. I had a pastor friend. He, had a, he was having problems with pornography and come to me. We prayed. And he was accountable to me. And about the second or third weekend, he was doing great. He called me and said, Alan, you're not going to believe this. He didn't live too far from me. He said, would you drive up here a minute? And I said, yeah, I'll come up. I went up there. He said, I want you to go to the dumpster with me. I said, okay. He took me to the dumpster. Looked like somebody poured out a, a pornographic uh, 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 store in, in that dumpster. He said, I went to throw my trash, and there it was. Wow. It'll find you. Uh, Jeff Rowland, some of y'all know him. He's a friend of mine. His daddy had always, he's dead now, but he'd come up, Jeff said, Jeff, we'd say, how you doing with God? Doing great. I do good with everything but temptation. <laughs> that was his, that was his famous line. <laughs> yeah. My point's this. Y'all, you got to believe me. It'll find you. And it's because there's something in our heart. 
Can you hear that? Hey, you know, somebody's having a problem with, with drugs. They can, you can take them to, to another city. I don't care where you go and whoever's selling it, within a week we'll find them. It's a beatingest thing I've ever seen. Isn't that true, Ed? It's the beatingest thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, what we've got to understand, we think we're incognito, but we're not. When there's something in us, we're raising, waving flags in the spirit world. We stink. We got an odor, spiritual odor to us. Jesus didn't have that any. Now, let's move on. When Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of this world, he did not say that he did uh, not have them. So Satan offered Jesus all these kingdoms, and we think, well, he couldn't do that. Yeah, he could. Now, now watch this. Jesus knew they were Satan's to give. Satan could have given Jesus the kingdoms of this world. Had there been anything in Jesus, he would have been a candidate to be yielded to the temptation. Yeah, I hope we can connect those dots. To have something in us is a huge issue. You say, well, Alan, I have to repent daily. That's fine, repent daily. That's right, Get take care of it for today. That's okay, repent daily. Now, now watch this. Je Jesus knew that they were Satan's to give. Proof the world we live in is ruled by Satan. There you go. The proof that this world we're in is ruled by Satan is by the very fact he offered it to Jesus. And you look around this world today. The only thing I can tell you is Satan rules it. Uh, I'm sorry. Now, as Christians, can we have an influence? The answer is yes, and we're supposed to. But, I'm sorry. Satan, uh, Satan uh, rules this world that we live in. Luke 4, 1 through 13, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. In those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, uh, afterward he hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone to be made to bread. Right? There was a temptation. If Jesus wanted to show off, he could. Anybody want to show off? Well, I want everybody to notice who I am. The church just doesn't appreciate me. Right? Could there be something in us? Now, in verse 4, And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that men shall not live by bread alone, but what? By the what? By what? Every word of God. Now, that's a key element for us. We live by every word of God. So the word of God is the issue, big deal. And the devil taking him up to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for it is delivered unto me, and to whosoever I will give it. Do you see that? He says, For whosoever he'll give it. So he can still give it. You see? Satan can still give it. He offered it to Jesus. Jesus didn't take it, but it doesn't mean he can't still give it. He can still give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Key, key, key verse. 
If we worship him, it'll be... So is there people of this world that worship Satan and he gives them stuff? The answer is yes. I'm sorry to disappoint you. This world isn't as good a place as you thought it was. It's really, I hate, I honestly and truly, it's pretty wicked. Is there some good stuff in it? Yes. I'm not, I'm not talking about the good stuff right here. I'm talking about the wicked stuff. Now, uh, if thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thy serve. Then he goes on, And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give the angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had uh, ended all the temptation, it says he departed uh, for a season. So what happens, see, if we're tempted and we want to yield, if I have, if somebody tempts me with, uh, with slandering my pastor and I feel the temptation to agree with the slanderous words, that gives me a signal that there's something in me I need to repent of. Is everybody with me? It's a signal. I already know it's wrong because I can agree with it and I slime myself and whoever I'm with. You'll leave the conversation feeling worse than you did when you went into it. So you got to say, what's wrong with me? What, there's, some, there's something in me I need to see. Now, let's move on. Not only is he the prince and power uh, of this world, Jesus said he is the God of this world. Uh-oh. Now, Jesus said that. I'm just using Jesus' words here. Jesus said he's a prince of the power of this world. Jesus said, here we go, I'm sorry. He's the God of the world. Jesus says that I believe it. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see that? What blinds people of this world? It's the God of the world. It's the God of the world that blinds the eyes of the world and it keeps the light from shining into them. Why? Because they keep saying yes to the God of this world instead of yes to Jehovah God. It's the God that you choose to say yes to. Now, there's, it appears in our prehistoric brains, it appears that there's a gray area in the middle that we have been per given permission to play in. There's no gray area. There's a gulf. Now, I want you to see it here. So we see here that Satan is the god of this world. Jesus used this word only twice when talking about his heavenly father and when referring to Satan. Jesus referred to, it, to God twice, heavenly father and to Satan. Now let's watch this. Satan is uh, God of this world. This means that people of this world worship the God of this world. Yes or no? We got to understand Satan's the God of this world. And there's people in this world that worship the God of this world. Now, let's move on quickly. Therefore, Satan controls this world. I hate to, I hate, I hate to break it to you. Satan's controlling this whole thing. 
You look at Russia, Ukraine, why? Satan's controlling this. <clears throat> Do I think he's been putting Putin that he can uh, have all of these kingdoms? Yeah, it's in his brain. It's been offered to him, and he's going for it. Uh, we could go on and on there. I, I'm getting off my point. He can control and manipulate education and politics and elections. He can. He's the God of this world. He can manipulate it. People ask me, Alan, you think elections are, are, are manipulated and politics and education? I said, well, did Satan die? Uh, am I been misinformed here? Uh, yes. I know. I know it's true. And somebody else say, Alan, you really think elections were messed with? I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, forevermore. And there will be this next time. I'm still going to vote. But until he's the God of this world and he manipulates and he moves in these areas. And misinformation too. And in politics, the only information we can really trust is this book and the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. There you go, darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Y'all know very well that scripture. Satan is actually the God of the most people of this world. Satan is actually the God that most people of this world worship. It's, it's, it's sad. But you, uh, it's, Matthew 7, 13 says this, Enter ye in a straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go uh, in three. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth into life, and few there be find it. So there's a greater crowd that's going worshiping the God of this world than it is that's not. It's, it's Bible. 1 Corinthians says, But I say, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. So we can see that this is, uh, there's this two groups of people here. And we've got two gods. We've got Jehovah God and we've got the God of this world, which is Satan. And uh, to, to give you a little more understanding, many who go to church on Sunday don't realize that the God of this world is their God. We'll take a vote. You want me to skip this one? Uh, okay, nobody raised your hand. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. How can we know if we are they in that crowd? Because we're doing the will of the Father's in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out devils, and then thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never uh, knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see that verse? Do with it what you have, what you, what you want to. Now, people worship the things Satan offers them. People want the riches of this world. First John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see that? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. So if we're doing those things, we're worshiping the God of the world. He's offering you this stuff. He's offering you fame, and everybody wants to be famous. Uh, where's that come from? I hope you know by now. Yeah, the God of this world. Well, somebody doesn't notice me. God of this world. Does God notice you? Let's go to the top. Now, 
We are to set our minds on things above, it says in Colossians 3.2. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, the Bible really means that. There's no gray there. It really does mean that. Check your heart. Here he says, if you want the things of this world, you are better off to openly make Satan your God. Alan, I can't believe you said that. I'm just, you just will get on with it. And why? Because he will give it to you. Money, fame, it is his to give you. That's the reason I'm saying this stuff that sin will find you. He wants to give it to you. You're not that good looking or smart. He's after you. He wants to give it to you, and he can. He just most certainly can't because he's the God of this world. But I promise you there is a price to pay. First John, love not the world, neither the things are that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of your eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of this world. Is God helpless in this world? Why has God allowed Satan to be the God of this world? Now that's a good, can somebody say that's a good question? That is a good question. I'm going to answer that question for you today once and for all. You will never again not have the answer to this question. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> you can only find it here at New Life Christian Fellowship. <laughs> now, why has God allowed Satan to be who he is? Why has God allowed you to be who you are? There's your answer. Why has God allowed Satan to be who he is? question is, why has he allowed you to be who you are? Wow. Same answer to both questions. Yes, it is. I'll tell you why God allows Satan to do what he does. Because it's about a choice. God allows you to be who you are. I told you he's a lot like Satan. You didn't know it. He gives us all the same choice. If God didn't give Satan that choice, he couldn't give you that choice. Why do we blame God for allowing Satan to rebel when he allows you to? God also gives the angels the same freedom. God gives Satan the freedom to rebel. He gives you the freedom to rebel. Did I answer everybody's question on why God does it? So we're sitting here discovering that this freedom we have to choose, Satan has the same one, and it's obvious he's not choosing well. He has the same ability to not to choose it just like we have, but he's eat up with it. He is eat up with it. Now, I'll tell you how eat up he is. He wants everybody else to be eat up like he is. So he will give you his eat up uppiness. He wants to give it away freely. That's what he wants to do. He has all the drugs, all the pornography, all the lying, all the cheating of the world because he's the God over it. So if you think you can scamper around this world and not and not get touched by it, the S word again, you're stupid. Really stupid. Really stupid. We are in a world that the God of this world is Satan. And we decide who is our God. That's right. 
How can I trust myself? How can I know who is my God? It's if I do the will of the Father. If you've got the mentality, if I can get by with it or not, you're in trouble. Because you can get by with a lot of things. But in the end, you're not getting by with it. Joshua 24, 15 says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which are your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and I'm my house, we're going to do what? We're going to serve the Lord. That's a decision. It's a choice. He goes on to say, Jesus told us every day to pray about the devil. I'm going to let you off the hook on this one. Jesus told you every day to pray about the devil. Here, here it is. Matthew 6, 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from who? The evil one, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Every day he admonished them to pray to be delivered from the evil one, the God of this world. Does everybody see that? Yeah. To be delivered from this evil one, the God of this world. The God of this world is real. Every day he's still the God of this world, but he doesn't mean he's the God of your life. But we're in the world, but not of the world. Come on. Now listen, it's not a drag to have God to be your God and not the God of this world. It's not a drag. There's, there's all kinds of things. I don't guess I'm going to get into it. But delivers from the evil one. He is not a thing. He's a person. Evil, evil is personal. Now watch this. And as I'm, he, He's a person. The reason you got to see the evil one as a person is that evil is personal. You got to be a person before you can be personal. All evil's done by persons, not done by an apple tree. Remember, people, right? Sin's not in an object. Let me tell you this. Sin's not in a playboy. Sin's in the heart of man. Why? Because it's a person that makes it sin. Oh, mercy, I won't get some emails on that one. Now, but my point is, evil is personal. A person comes upon a person and it becomes personable. Jesus said, deliver us from the evil one. Person comes upon a person, that's what makes it personable. Jesus delivers from the evil one. First Peter, be sober, village vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may uh, devour. Praise God, I'm done. Oh, wow. I hope y'all are. <laughs> My goal today is to show you what the resurrection did. The resurrection, he destroyed everything I just showed you. That's right. Come on. Everything. Everything I just showed you. He is the God over all of that. Amen. Can you hear me? Yes. 
So when He tempts us, there's freedom. If we've been consumed, there's deliverance. Can you hear that? And the most fun you'll ever have in your life is letting God be your God. Because the God of this world ain't got nothing. Oh my God. That's right. Right, let's stand. As we go into our Easter service, listen. There ain't nothing happened yet. You wait for this next part. As, as a people of God, this next part of the service, it's a worship service, okay? So Lord Jesus, I pray that you be with us this day. I pray, oh God, that we would appreciate and respect. We respect, oh God, you and your word, all that you've done. Dear God, we respect that you've given us a choice just like you've given Satan a choice. And it's our prayer, oh God, that with our choices that we would choose you as our God. Yes. That yes. teach us to quickly say yes to you, oh God. That, the God that, that what's in heaven can come to this earth. And people can say, that little old church beside uh, 64 there, I, I hear that heaven on earth is in that place over there, in those people. So God, let people see us as a place that heaven has landed, yeah. as individuals and as a congregation. Be with us in our worship, oh God, as we go forward. That's right. Let us worship you like we never have before. That's right. Be with Brian, oh God, as he comes and he leads us in the opening That's right. of this service, that this might be the best Easter service we ever had in our life. Amen. In Jesus' name, and all the people of God, that God was there, God said, Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you.